Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the BLP Bulletin. I'm Danielle Berman, and it is Monday, August 23rd. I was out on vacation earlier this month, and it was so nice to have a little break. But boy, do we have a lot to talk about. So I want to get straight into this week's bulletin. And before we start with some articles here, I want to give everybody a reminder that the Paralympics start tomorrow, August 24th. So as much as we supported our Olympians and Olympians around the world achieving amazing things, we need to support our Paralympians, check out these athletes and support their big moments too. You can watch the US coverage on any NBC channels. So NBC, MSNBC, CNBC, USA, et cetera, as well as on Peacock, Sling TV and Fubo TV. Support these awesome people. This is still just as amazing as the Olympics, guys. We need to show up and support and watch these amazing athletes compete. So let's highlight speaking of the Olympics, some of the fantastic Olympic athletes who have already competed in Tokyo. And I want to start with the undefeated. They had a wonderful op-ed on Simone Biles and the unique way that she made history in Tokyo really off the mat from her courage to show the world that her mental health mattered much more than winning and the power of team. She allowed her teammates to give it a shot and really succeed. And she was their biggest cheerleader. Simone is the goat we all need and just don't deserve. She has cemented herself in the history books for really changing the future of mental health for athletes, as well as sports and a winning culture. I think that's really important to highlight. As she looked at this, it was the peak of her career. And she said, you know, I'm more important. I'm more important than winning. And I think that's a huge message to send and continue to send. So congrats to Simone Biles and a great article in The Undefeated. I highly recommend reading it. A next article comes from The Guardian, and it's about Raven Saunders um, and the IOC. And Raven Saunders, if you weren't aware, she competed in shot put for Team USA. She won silver, and as I'm sure some of you saw, she used her time on the podium to cross her arms in an X, which she says is a gender, a gesture, excuse me, of solidarity at the intersection of where all people who are oppressed meet. And I want to point out, this was probably one of the most relevant actions that could serve as a violation, and I'm using air quotes over here, of the IOC's updated Rule 50 that I've talked about a bunch on here. As the author of this Guardian article, Afua Hirsch writes, instead of embracing the symbol of unity as Raven was, was trying to use, right, where all oppressed people meet, the IOC, instead of embracing this as a symbol of unity, as the Olympics always say they are, and bringing people together and sport is a great thing, the IOC didn't even use this as a marketing strategy to say, you know, look how amazing um, these athletes are. They instead chose to investigate Raven Saunders for breaking the rules. And as the author points out of The Guardian, I completely agree. It's just so clear now that they're such a hypocritical organization, the IOC and the Olympics. Um, it's really all about staying apolitical, which is ironic for a sporting event that literally brings the world together, the world's nations together in one place. It's, it's the definition of political. So regardless of what this investigation, using air quotes again, determines, I want to send a huge congratulations to Raven Saunders for standing up, speaking out, speaking her truth, and not being afraid of the consequences, really saying, you know what, I'm standing up for all oppressed people. And she won big in Tokyo. So congrats regardless to your big accomplishments, Raven. 
And now that the Olympics are over, another article from AP um, was about Megan Rapino from Team USA's superstar women's soccer team. And she is wasting no time launching her next endeavor. After Team USA's heartbreaking loss to Canada in the semis, the women's team came through to beat Australia for the bronze medal. And now Rapino is launching a book club focused on themes of equality and social justice. The club will be called The Call-In and it will be offered through Literati, which is a subscription book company. Her first book selection is from Me Too co-founder Tarana Burke's memoir, which is Unbound. It comes out September 14th. And when asked about the book club's focus on equality and social justice, Rapino said that the club will allow people to take a more in-depth journey through things like sexuality, racism, white privilege, et cetera. And she acknowledged that she herself is going to be doing the work alongside everyone. I think it's great to see Megan Rapino continue to advocate for equality and give people resources to help their own journeys. I think that's a key here. So congrats to her and all her hard work. And another story, another Olympian here, especially from Team USA, Uproxx had a wonderful feature article on WNBA star and Olympian Ajay Wilson and her Ajay Wilson Foundation, which aims to empower children with dyslexia to reach their full potential. The article overviews how Ajay struggled with dyslexia her whole life. She didn't even know about it for a long time, and she leaned on basketball as a way to fit in, feel like she mattered, had a purpose. And after her diagnosis with dyslexia, she was motivated to write an article for the Players' Tribune about her struggles. And the foundation was really created out of the amazing response to her story in the Players' Tribune. And if you didn't know, approximately 20% of kids here in this country struggle with dyslexia. And Ajay Wilson's foundation provides resources and grant money to help students find alternative learning paths. She's raising money for after-school programs, which would be dedicated to one-on-one time with educators and mentors, which is something she found really beneficial. And she's working to get teachers resources so they can spot students who may be struggling with a learning impairment. I think this is awesome. I love the authenticity behind this. It's such an important mission and great work by Ajay Wilson. I love how she is doing something that means something to her. It ties right into her own story, her own journey. And she knows, she knows what people need and she can really help bring resources together. So congrats to her. Finally, on the Olympic front, I want to highlight a story from the Religion of Sports newsletter about Polish javelin thrower, Maria Andrzejczyk. The Religion of Sports is a really wonderful content platform with shows, podcasts, content all around the power of sports and how influential it is in our world for good. So Maria, after coming back from recovering from bone cancer to win the silver medal in Tokyo for the javelin, she came across a fundraiser for an eight-month-old Polish boy who needed emergency heart surgery. The family was trying to raise money so they could send their child to Stanford University's Medical Center in California. This is where the doctors were most prepared to conduct this kind of surgery. But as you can imagine, between travel and medical costs, that's a huge price tag. So Maria put her silver medal up for auction. She said on Facebook, for me, the medal is a symbol of struggle, faith, and pursuit of dreams despite many odds. What better way to honor the spirit, that spirit, than to allow it to help save a child's life? First of all, what an amazing person, how generous, what great spirit here. So she put the silver medal up on auction, bidding one up and up and up. And the winner was a Polish convenience store chain called Zabka. They paid $125,000 for the prize. They were said they were moved by her act of kindness. So they paid the money. The money went to the family. 
and they gave Maria her medal back. So that's a feel good story. I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Maria and I want to thank the team at Zabka for their tremendous generosity. I think that's a fantastic just show of kindness that there is kindness still in this world and people do care. Now let's change gears a bit. Last week, the Center for Healing and Justice Through Sport launched. They're based out of Chicago, and this is a new organization that's going to offer practical solutions and resources for coaches and sports programs that's based on scientific, trauma-informed research, and they will prioritize therapeutic impact for children experiencing trauma. They had some launch events last week, virtually, of course, that included athletes such as Ibtaj Muhammad, Angela Huckles, Angela Rodrigo. Blake Leeper and Muggsy Bowes, apologies if I pronounced any of your names wrong, a top neuroscientist and grassroots leaders like the co-founder of the center, Megan Bartlett. This center points out 62% of children living in poverty have experienced one or more traumatic events, and they call it a public health crisis here in the U.S. in their press release. The Center for Healing and Justice Through Sport aims to increase trauma-informed coaching to youth through training, consulting, and movement building. And the co-founder, Megan Bartlett, said, for many young people who have experienced trauma, being active on a sports team may be the only time their bodies feel good. And this is why it's essential for coaches to understand the impact of trauma in order for them to effectively develop social, emotional, and cognitive skills of the young people they serve. That's really important to highlight what Bartlett said. Sport can really help, but it has to be done the right way and coaches need to be educated. Now, Nike has also partnered with this movement to fund some of these resources and programming, and they've committed to training their Nike community ambassadors ambassadors, and made-to-play nonprofit partners, which prioritize kids from communities that have been marginalized. And they want to help build a movement to train staff and coaches from schools, nonprofits, and youth sports organizations across North America. We know Megan a little bit. We've worked with Farlone Toussaint, who is a good friend of a Tackle with Snacks stand, who has spoken at a couple of our events in the past. She's heading up development with the center. So I think this is just such an incredible initiative. They have the right people involved. They're building partnerships. And I think this is really important. As you saw, 62% of kids growing up in certain areas have experienced trauma. And I think that's really important to highlight as sports becomes an outlet, we can give more people access to sports and more access to support. I'm really glad to see something so important be created and prioritized. So now we need to change gears again. And unfortunately, it's not a great story, not a positive story. As we all know, the situation in Afghanistan right now is truly awful. The U.S. government has certainly dropped the ball in their military withdrawal plans and contingencies. The Taliban are back in charge. The Afghan president and many citizens have fled the country, and some are still trying to get out of the country. And that's really affecting the opportunity to play sports in this country, especially for women. Hold on, is this politics and sports colliding? (laughs) Anyways, I digress. But Axios Sports reported that Afghanistan's two Paralympians and its first female Paralympian won't be able to make it to Tokyo this week because the airports have been closed due to the Taliban takeover. This is kind of the first time the Taliban's really reached power since the late 1990s. And when the Taliban was in charge back then, sports in general took a big backseat Women were forbidden from participating, and Axios reports they were usually violent penalties if they did. 
The IOC also had banned Afghanistan from the 2000 Olympics for their discrimination against women in sports and in society. Note that in addition to not being able to participate in sports, women were locked out of education and careers and other simple human rights. Axios also reported that the government even used to use the National Soccer Stadium as an execution site. So now, 20 plus years later, and after tons of progress for the country, especially for female athletes, they had their first female athlete competing in the Olympics in 2004. Uh, in 2007, the nation's first female soccer team was formed. Plus, programs like Skatistan were featured in an Oscar-winning documentary short. Now we're back 2021 to the Taliban being in charge. So this is a really dangerous time for so many people, especially for women in Afghanistan. And we've already know sports have already been affected. Their Paralympians aren't going to be able to get to Tokyo to compete, probably devastating for them. And I think the idea that sports and politics do not intersect is just crazy. So I'm really thoughts going out to everyone affected by this. Um, clearly a lot of missteps happening here and it's just sad to see some progress. Hopefully, um, you know, won't fall too fast by the wayside, but it's, it's certainly a, a dire situation there. And moving right along, um, Sports Illustrated had a really great feature about Dak Prescott, Cowboy, uh, quarterback, excuse me, for the Dallas Cowboys. He lost his brother Jace to suicide and suffered a season ending injury all within a short time span. And the article really highlighted his struggle with his own mental health. He talks about how important his mindset is to his success and so much more. It's well worth a long read. Um, if you have time this week uh, in your morning coffee, I recommend reading it. You just get such great insights into the power of mental health and what work Doc has really been doing, um, you know, during this time. So we've just done a couple of heavy stories here. I want to end and back on a positive note. Our final story is about name, image, and likeness and how some athletes are continuing to use it for good. On a previous bulletin, we talked about Buddy Beheim, a men's college basketball player at Syracuse. He partnered with Make-A-Wish upstate New York or central New York, excuse me, to donate all his cameo money earned in a two-week period. Now, Dylan Gibbons, who's an offensive lineman for Florida State's football team, his friend, Timothy Donathan, was born with Vacteril, which causes spine and limb defects. The two became friends when Dylan played for Notre Dame. And once Dylan transferred to Florida State, they found out the first home game was against Notre Dame. So Dylan wanted to start a fundraiser called Timmy to Tally to raise money to cover the family's travel expenses and lodging for coming down to the game and bringing Timothy. Within 24 hours, his goal, Dylan's goal of $30,000 was reached. The CMO of GoFundMe reached out to Dylan to encourage support. Super Coffee, which is a brand um, that it's a virtual coffee brand or an online coffee brand. Their mission is to inspire health and positivity. They donated $15,000 to the campaign as it was really aligned with their mission. So his goal adjusted to $75,000 and they're almost there. Now that the cost of the game, travel and lodging are covered, the family will now plan to use any additional funds to cover medical expenses for Timothy. They're gonna have so much funding to put towards medical expenses. What an amazing act of kindness from an athlete using his name, image, and likeness to make the world better. I love it. I can't wait to see more stories like this. And that's it for this week. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and coming back each week to learn more about the world of sports philanthropy and athlete activism. Please don't forget to watch the Paralympians kick butt this week and next week. And I will see you back here next time for another BLP Bulletin. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.